Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Shalom, shalom, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, pastor at Out of Ashes Ministries, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana. How in the world is everyone? Uh, I hope you are doing incredibly well. Uh, we have had a couple of weeks of just insanely busy uh, ministry stuff going on. Great stuff, but really, really busy. So uh, please forgive the last couple of weeks have been uh, just reruns, uh, re-airs of the last week's episode. Um, but we're back with a new episode this week, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, a good while at least until we get another break, uh, until we take another break. And uh just want to uh, say I'm so glad to be back uh, this week with a fresh episode, something I'm really excited to talk about, and uh, I hope you are all doing extremely, extremely well. Uh, this is episode 90 of Image Bearers Radio, and uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, the Torah uh, Community Covenant, and um so before we get to that, though, I just want to keep you updated on kind of what's happening here around the ministry and uh, let you know what, what's been going on. So uh, this weekend, as many of you may know, may not know, uh, we had uh, a really privilege to have uh, a very good friend of ours and special guest, uh, Hanoch Young. Uh, from Modain, Israel, in with us this weekend. Uh, Hanok is a, a very dear friend and uh, is has spent his the last 20, 25 years of his life uh, reaching out to the non-Jewish community. Uh, Hanok is a traditionally practicing uh, Jew Orthodox, and uh, he is just an incredible guy, and uh, also is a, a licensed tour guide in the land of Israel, uh, one of the best out there. And so if you're ever looking to go to uh, Eretz Israel, look up Hanok, and uh, he does private uh, tours as well, you know, when, every, when the world returns to normal. Uh, if there's such a thing on the horizon. Uh, but we uh, we had an incredible weekend. We also invited uh, some of you, you know, that uh, that follow are, are a part of the online ministry uh, to come in. And we had a couple of families from Colorado come in, uh, family from North Dakota. And so I'm just, I, I was, it was a fantastic weekend. We were all tired by the end of it, uh, just because, uh, you know, we, we learned so much and, and got to enjoy uh, each other's company so much. We ate an incredible amount. <laughs> and uh, so it was just a fantastic weekend. And so I want to thank everyone who uh, who joined in online and uh, joined in via the, the uh, broadcast. And um, uh, if you're interested in checking out those talks, uh, those sessions, uh, you can find our Shabbat Fellowship Talk, which we always stream to Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. You can find that, of course, uh, on uh, YouTube or on Facebook or on our website at outofashesministries.org or 
if you would like to uh, view the the other four sessions that were uh, were not publicly broadcast, but we asked for a forty dollar donation uh, to those uh, that all went to uh, support Hanok. If any of you are keeping up with what's going on in Israel, um, and by the way, if you if you if you're interested in the Torah, you should be interested in the land of Israel. Um, but if you're keeping up, uh, of course, Israel is like America has gone through several phases of of uh, COVID reaction. And uh, tour guides have not been able to work in uh, over two years. And uh, Israel does not uh, – tour guides are self-employed, and so they do not get unemployment uh, whenever they – whenever they, you know, are out of work. And so the the tour tourist industry is really suffering, and tour guides are suffering. And of course, many of them have families and children, etc. Um, but uh, Hanok is not in that particular position. His children are grown, but uh, all the 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 ticketed uh, sessions are are all went to uh, to. Uh, support him, and so if you would like to look, you know, to view those, you can still do that. Uh, you can find that on our website, outofashesministries.org. Just go to the homepage, scroll down just to the second section, and click on uh, the picture of Hanok, and uh, it will take you over to the page where you can do that. It's uh, forty dollars for four sessions, and uh, you will not be disappointed. I promise. Uh, so go in and check that out, and uh, I think you'll be blessed that you did. Uh, so. Uh, what we have coming up next is Purim. We'll be preparing for Purim in a couple of uh, in a couple of week, few weeks, and uh, so if uh, any of you are interested in Purim, we'll be doing some episodes on that coming up. But today, I want to talk about the Torah, uh, a covenant commandment or a community commandment. And uh, after this weekend, just being together with everyone uh, and hearing Hanok speak about the Jewish community, especially and how they treat the Torah, it's it really has been on my heart a lot lately. And so I want to talk about the community aspect of the Torah specifically and, um, and talk about some of the challenges that we face and some of the opportunities that we have. So uh, before we do that, let's go to the Father in prayer. Avinu Shabbat our Father in heaven, we bless you for this opportunity to, to speak about your word and about what you've called us to do. And Father, I pray that you open our hearts and open our minds to your word and to your Torah, to your spirit, as you lead us to bear your image in the world you've given us. So I, I want to talk today um, about something that's a, uh, it's a given for some of us, or for some, it's a given, and for others it tends to be a real challenge. And uh, I know that we have a wide spectrum of folks that listen uh, to Hebrew Nation, and, uh, and by the way, I just appreciate you guys stopping in and listening. Uh, if it's your first time here, welcome. If it's not, welcome back. Uh, I usually say that in the intro, and I didn't today, so I'm sorry. Uh, two weeks not recording, and I'm all out of whack. So, um, no, but uh, for some of us, the concept of community is a given. Um, and for some of us, the concept of community is a real struggle, I think, for a variety of reasons. Um, so what I typically find 
is that folks who come into Torah um, and they they didn't have a negative church experience necessarily. And there are those people out there, believe it or not. Uh, if, if you came out of a bad church experience, maybe you don't you know realize that there are there are people who um, you know who who are pursuing Torah and are you know are, are keeping the mitzvot and and they actually are not mad at the church. Um, you know they they still look fondly on their pastors uh, and their church communities, and it just came to be where there was a difference of beliefs, and uh, and that chasm grows too wide at some point. And it's hard, right? It's hard to to stay in community, and so not everyone in the in the Torah movement, uh, the non Jewish Torah movement, is you know is dealing with church hurt and and uh, and pain and stuff like that, and and that feeling of deceit and and all of those things. Um, and so those those folks generally uh, come straight into the Torah. Uh, the Torah walk, and they're they're you know eager to find community right off the bat, and uh, and and that's an awesome thing. That, that's a that's a great thing. Um, those that may have had uh, a, a different kind of experience, maybe you uh, you got the left foot of fellowship, which uh, many of us have experienced. Uh, sometimes that's our fault, though. Sometimes we're belligerent jerks. And um, we want to, you know, we want to take our, our Baptist church or our, you know, uh, charismatic church, whatever, uh, that's been what it is for the last hundred years. And all of a sudden we want to upend it because we found it, you know, we found a truth and it doesn't work that way. And so sometimes we find ourselves on the outside uh, just because of the way that we approached it. Uh, other times we genuinely do the best we can and uh, we try to be respectful and try to be, you know, understanding and we try to general, you know, genuinely share, uh, you know, what what the Father's doing in our lives. And sometimes it just doesn't work. It's just oil and water, right? And uh, I, I know I have this experience. Are are you know still today, even you know, after fifteen or so years, uh, still have this uh, experience a little bit. And that's you know when when you're having a conversation and and just about general stuff. It can be about dietary stuff or you know just something in general. And, uh, you know, someone finds out you don't celebrate Easter or someone finds out that you don't celebrate uh, Christmas or you don't eat pork or, you know, here in South Louisiana, it's a lot of our life revolves around food. So there tends to be a lot of food conversations. Um, but when, you know, when a, when a Christian finds out that you don't do things that maybe kind of mainline and normal Christianity does, um, they tend to get offended like like, you know, you're not even asking them to do it. You're not, you know, you're not challenging them. You're not judging them. Sure, you're just having an honest conversation about what you believe and what your practice is. Um, and other people get offended because you don't do the same thing as they do. And, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, that's just the the way that it is as long as, you know, we approach it correctly. So, uh, you know, we have different folks have different attitudes about community. Uh, also, you know, for those that came out of the church, the negative, uh, type of experience, uh, I find tend to be much, much less community, uh, oriented. And let's just be honest with each other. If, if this is you and you're listening, you might not like this, but it's not because you're more sanctified. It's not because we're, we do things right and we can't find anybody else that does things right around us. A lot of times, it's just because we're really hurt, 
and and rightfully so. I mean, you know, it took me personally a long time, and there's still some areas that I'm I'm tender. Uh, you know, even after you know being out of the church world completely for the last uh, six years or so, uh, there's still some areas where I'm tender and where I have to work on. You know, coming together with other folks that don't agree with me or don't, you know, believe what I believe. And so I think we just need to really be honest with ourselves and call it what it is that many times we don't have community and we don't have fellowship because we're just still hurt. And uh, I know I know that there's a a large sense in the in the Torah, you know, walk. There's a large sense that, that, you know, I don't need a teacher. Uh, You know, Ruach HaKodesh is my teacher or, you know. Uh, whatever, and that's true. Um, you know that's scripture, and that that is true. However, um, not not in balance. It's not it's not a correct interpretation in balance um, that we do need people. We do need each other, and even if we don't necessarily need a teacher, uh, we need each other because, as we're going to talk about today, the Torah was given to a community, and it was intended to be walked out in community. And I would even argue that much of the, or much, most of the Torah cannot be really walked outside of community and outside of relationship. It just can't be done. So as we get into this discussion, uh, I want to be sensitive to, you know, where you are as a listener and as a, as a seeker of truth. Um, but I want to challenge a little bit and maybe challenge some and maybe encourage others or, you know, whatever, whatever it tends to be. But this is something that's really, really important to me. So as we begin our Torah journey, as we begin studying Torah, I think there are there's one thing that happens uh, that I, I've seen again, you know, over the last several years that's pretty consistent. And that is when the father, if you're if we're involved in a, a church in a congregational setting, uh, and the father starts to, you know, deal with our shalom and he starts to mess up our peace a little bit. And we start to search and maybe you find Shabbat or maybe you find, uh, you know, uh, the dietary instructions or, or even kashrut. Or maybe you find the moedim, the feast days, whatever way Hashem uses to direct you into the Torah. We, you know, we start to study those things and we start to see. And um, what generally happens is when it comes time to finally break away from the, the church, um, which some people do and some people don't. Some people stay you know, living a Torah lifestyle and they stay in a traditional church, which I think personally is a beautiful thing uh, if you can accomplish it. Uh, all too often that's not the case, but I think it's a beautiful thing if you can manage that. Um, but most of the time we end up you know, finding ourselves separate. And I think everyone, or nearly everyone, goes through a time of isolation in this journey. And sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's you know a couple of years, whatever it is. But I personally believe that that time of separation, uh, away from maybe the the church you know that you were going to, and not yet finding a congregation, I believe that that time of separation is a is a God thing. I think that's very much according to the plan of Hashem. Um, the reason being, or the way I think about it, is just simply because we're in a position in that season where we are eager and thirsty, hungry, we are searching, we're, we're, we're reading, uh, we're praying, we are researching, uh, we're intaking, as a friend of mine used to say, we're in sponge mode, right? And, and we're in sponge mode in a way that maybe we've never been in our faith for some of us, 
or maybe this is the first time in a long, long time that we've really been excited and been invigorated about our faith and about the scriptures and about, you know, uh, just about living after Hashem, living after God. And so I think that the, that the, the Ruach, the Spirit, uses that time um, to isolate us. In, and so maybe for the first time in our lives, we can come to some truths that we found. So we can come to some understandings and some beliefs and some ways of looking at Scripture and, and reading Scripture and studying Scripture that we had to dig out for ourselves that we own. And I think that's unbelievably valuable. One of the things that struck me um, uh, listening to Hanok speak this weekend was just how incredibly lazy Western Christians are. Um, we're incredibly, incredibly lazy. Uh, you know, for instance, Hanok, and, and I know this is not just true for him, this is true for, uh, for many uh, non-Christians. Um, you know, Hanok has spent the last 20 years familiarizing himself and studying the, the Christian scriptures. And the last two years, not being able to guide and, you know, and, and having a little extra time on his hands, um, he's really devoted himself to studying the Gospels. The, you know, and, and we just don't do that. Christians don't have that thing by and large. Now, some of you would say, oh, yeah, I've studied. Yeah, maybe there's aberrations, of course, and there's exceptions. But by and large, Christians don't have that thing where I want to understand, especially towards Judaism, I want to understand the Jewish people. I'm going to take a year and I'm going to take a, a course from a rabbi or a course from a yeshiva or I'm going to take a year and every, every Parsha uh, and every Haftarah, every week, I'm going to study you know, the, the Jewish commentary. I'm going to, I'm going to go and invest in, uh, in a collection from Rashi. Or, you know, we, we just, most of us as Christians don't do that thing. Heck, if you're Baptist, there's a good chance, and you grew up Baptist, there's a good chance you have no idea what the Catholics believe, right? <laughs> if you're Pentecostal you and grew up Pentecostal, there's a good chance you have no idea what the Presbyterians believe. I mean, we just don't have that inner faith thing. And I think part of the reason for that is, um, I know from, and I, again, I, I speak from personal experience because that's really all I'm a, the authority on. <laughs> and uh, if it hits with you, great. If it doesn't, sorry. But, you know, I remember growing up as a kid and being warned not to spend too much time or not to have friends that were, so I was Baptist, not to have, you know, too many friends that were Catholic or, or of a different even denomination. And I think the fear was that, it was going to alter my faith. It was going to make me question my faith and what the Baptist church taught. And what I've come to, and what I wish I would have come to a lot earlier, but I didn't. So um, hopefully you guys are much smarter than I am. But what I came to was that the, the problem is not with the other denomination. The challenge is not with what they believe and, and how that looks and talks. The challenge, if we're worried about our faith, the challenge is our faith. It's the strength of what we believe. And so the same thing when we talk about the Jewish, uh, the Jewish walk and, and the Jewish way of, of understanding Torah. You know, I've run into so many people that are scared of the Mishnah and Talmud. I've run into so many people that are scared of the sages, and they may not say, talk about it like that. But it's really a fear that maybe if you read too much Jewish stuff, you may, it may actually sound good and you may actually like some of it. And you may actually want to give credence and, and, and honor to, you know, the sages and some of those things. 
And it's like there's a fear, but what that what that fear tells us and shows us really is that there are chinks in our armor. There are weaknesses in our faith, and we don't know what we believe in certain areas. And so it should be a helpful thing, not a fear-based thing. And so we, we go through this season of isolation, and I really do believe that that is part of the plan. I believe that's part of the plan of God uh, as we come in because we're, 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 uh, our minds and our hearts are accessible. We're open to information. We're open to things. But we also are establishing maybe for the first time ever an individual responsibility for what we believe. Um, you know, maybe for the first time in our lives, we're not being spoon fed. Maybe for the first time in our lives, we're not just believing the statement of faith of our particular denomination. Maybe for the first time in our lives, we're not only reading the verses that our denomination uh, holds up as the most important in scripture, right? And I think that's an amazing time and a beautiful thing. One of the reasons I think that's that time and that season is so important is because of the way that we tend to be taught in Christianity that you you know you just you follow the denominational line, you don't ask a lot of questions, you just take the the kind of, you know, default information and the the traditional knowledge and you just you just do that stuff even, you know, when it doesn't make sense or you don't understand it, you just believe that because Christianity is all about belief over action. Right, the big faith versus works debate, which is there's no debate there. It's a false dichotomy. Uh, it's a false argument. Faith and works, yes, A and B are D, all of the above. Right. So the we we emphasize belief over action, and so right belief is what's utmost important to us, and that can get us in a lot of trouble because um, you know if you don't believe if your denomination has the corner on the theological. Uh, you know, on the theological understanding, and you have to believe that, then it, it's, anyway, it's a whole quagmire stuff. So this time of, of isolation is important because many are our, our those of us that are, are, are really didn't have a negative church experience, um, what we will tend to do, and I've seen this happen, is that we'll we'll jump out of a Sunday church one week. We'll be sitting in Sunday church one week, our last Sunday, and then the next weekend we'll be sitting in a Shabbat, you know, gathering. And there is a challenge with that if we have not established a good study, uh, study life and prayer life. If we've not begun to own our faith, if we've not maybe had that season where we had to dig it out. We had to get in there and, and, and muscle it out and fall in all the holes and step on all the landmines and figure out, you know, how to navigate all this stuff. What will happen is that we'll go from just being a Sunday Christian, just, you know, believing whatever we're told to just being a Shabbat Christian, just believing whatever that guy's saying or that lady's saying. And, and that does a detriment to us. So I think that time of isolation is really, really important. And I wanted to take time to really address that because I know many of you, maybe, um, maybe some of you that are listening, you're in that season right now. And maybe you go like, you know, it's been three months and I've, since I left the church and I just can't find anyone. Well, maybe the reason you can't find anyone is because you're in this time of isolation and, and it's Hashem's doing that you can't find anyone. We have people all the time that tell us, we've been looking for a congregation around here uh, you know, a, a Shabbat con- congregation for months. And we look, you know, every couple of weeks, my husband and I check, or, you know, I check. 
on Google or whatever, and nothing ever comes up. And then all of a sudden we decided to just give it one last shot, and we checked this week, and OAM came up. Your congregation came up. Isn't that funny? I think it's because those people are not quite ready yet. Not, not in like an, I'm not talking down. I'm just saying this time of isolation hasn't run its course yet. Maybe they haven't accomplished the things that Hashem wanted them to accomplish um, for their own good in this season yet. So I, I know that I, this is a long time, just like a whole first segment about this season when we're supposed to be talking about Torah and community. But I think it's really, really important um, that we understand that season. Don't jump into a fellowship too soon before you've established your own study life and your own your own way. Not that your way is going to trump whoever God eventually sends in your life, but that you understand how to parse out information, you understand how to study, how to read scripture, and you you understand that your faith is yours. It's not given to you by a pastor or by a rabbi or by a Shabbat leader. Your walk with God, you are responsible, and you have to know how to navigate that. It's a super, super important thing that some of us don't learn in Christianity. So that does it for this first segment. We are going to get into Torah com- as, a, as a community right after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to the second segment in this episode, episode 90 of Image Bearers Radio. I'm so glad you guys are sticking around. Thank you all for uh, for being with us today. And so let's talk about the Torah as a community. And um, again, I know this is a touchy, touchy subject for a lot of folks um, for a few different ways. So. Again, maybe maybe you're in a position in a place where uh, you just simply can't find there, – there's just literally – there's no one around you. I know that's many of you. Uh, you long for community. You long for fellowship, and there, there just ain't nobody there. Uh, and so I know that's a challenge for a lot of folks. Uh, I think less and less as, you know, as – this this continues to spread and, and Hashem continues to draw folks, but it is – I know it is a thing. Um, for some of you out there, you're just – you're maybe still hurt, uh, and it's masking as, well, I don't read the Scriptures that way. I mean, I know that there's a there's a thing out there that, you know, that the Shabbat is not supposed to be a convocation, the feast days, and, they, and people play with the words and, and all this kind of stuff. And it seems like – okay, I'm going to rant for just a second, okay? And, and if this upsets you or offends you, I don't mean it personally. This just really gets my goad, okay? So – there's this this sense out there among some that um, they we do we I'm gonna say twist scripture. I know that's a that's kind of a you know <laughs> kind of like a poke in the eye, but in my opinion, we twist scripture. We play with words and we we mish we twist words around and we quote unquote dig for the true meaning of words so much that we end uh, just that we end up making them mean something different than they've met traditionally. Uh, you know, in other words, if something, if a word, if the word convocation 
let's say, to the Jewish people meant a gathering. Some of us are so hurt and so bitter that that word convocation cannot mean that. It can't mean that because that's what everybody's doing. And if everybody's doing it, that can't be the truth. Oh, I just pegged some of you right between the eyes. I know. That used to be me. Listen, I'm talking about these things because I've done all, I've fallen in every hole, okay? I've stepped in every, on every landmine. We, we, if we think, well, the, the, you know, this is the oldest, you know, or this is what the Jewish people say, or this is what, you know, the traditional understanding of this word has been for generations, it obviously can't be that. We have to go back and find the truth. Because if, if everybody believes it, then that means it's been corrupted by, you know, and, and all that. And listen, that's coming and speaking from a place of hurt and bitterness. Please take some time to pray. Please take some time to fast and allow, the, the, allow God to heal that in you. I'm not saying you're going to all of a sudden be, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Community, but I'm saying that's a symptom that you're hurting somewhere. And and, I, and I'm also not saying that if you don't believe the majority, then then that's a sign. That's automatically a sign of hurt. What I'm saying is that the combination of all these things and the pattern of these things that that if 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 this is the established understanding, it has to be wrong. And then we have to go and find this this word and and mangle it and twist it in the name of quote unquote research until we come up with a, a meaning that is favorable for us, that's a symptom of something else there. Now, I know the Deuteronomy, Devarim says, don't follow after the majority, right? If they're going away from Hashem. That's definitely a thing. I mean, props to you for not following the majority if they're going against the word of Hashem. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a whole entirely separate thing. What I'm talking about is this need to make the scripture, the words, the Hebrew, the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic, whatever it is, fit something in our lives so that we don't have to be in community. And this is a thing that, that, that some have taken every part of scripture that even hints at being together on a Shabbat or on a, on a Moed or, you know, on a Hag. And and we've changed the meaning of the scripture so that you know that's not at all what it means. You you know you can do it in your you know closet, um, you know whatever. It's just it's it's insane to me. Again, I was there, but I didn't stay there. And I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm saying I realized that there was I was still really bitter. I was still really angry. I was still really really. I just I had nothing but rage for. Christian establishment, Jewish establishment, uh, you know, anybody that would try to teach me, I just didn't, I didn't want to hear it. So I'm saying this hopefully in love and and in compassion. I want, I want you to be whole and healed. And again, like I said, if that means you never find a community and never want to find a community, okay, cool. But I would bet that, that, that your religious studies, your, your Torah studies is not the only place where this anger comes out. There's other areas of your life where this is manifesting and, and because there's a root there, you're hurt, you're damaged, rightfully so. You've been lied to. But the answer is not to separate from people. The answer is to let let Hashem and the community help heal you. Okay, I'm gonna move off of that. So that was my that was my rant. So 
we know that the, the Torah, the commandments, the mitzvot, are given for community. Well, how do we know that? Well, because it's literally all over the place. So let's start with the, the Gospels and we'll, we'll work our way back. See, we have this idea that th- there, there are two sides to our, our walk, our faith, and they should, they should really culminate and mesh into one, but a lot of times they don't. Let's take Yeshua. When he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest mitzvot? What does he say? He says, the Shema, love God with your heart, right? Your, your very, your every, and love your neighbor as yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the entire Torah and the Nevi'im, the Law and the Prophets, right? So even Yeshua says you... There is such a thing, and, and there is, we have this motivation sometimes to to live a, a holy, truth-filled, you know, righteous and passionate life before God. And that, we, we, we tunnel vision on that. I'm not saying that's not the most important thing. I'm just saying that's not the only thing. But we, we tunnel vision on that, and we get so tunnel visioned that we all we worry about is pleasing God and everybody else can just take a hike. And frankly, ladies and gentlemen, that's, it's not the way it works. That goes against the, the, the commandment and the, the, the instruction of our, of, of Yeshua. That's not the way it works. We, we are locked in this, in this tension and this balance between honoring God and Loving our neighbors as ourselves. Do you know that sometimes your love for God can affect how you love your neighbor? How you try to love your neighbor can sometimes affect your love for God. It's a constant tension and push and pull. But that is the tradition that Yeshua is giving the tradition that has been there since the beginning. How do I know that? Well, I mean, let's just look real quick at uh, at Better Sheet. A couple of places in Better Sheet. Genesis 128 right right off the right off the hop we have the commandment hashem tells adam adam and hava it says you know go and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over dominion over the fish of the sea etc etc why why would adam and hava have to reproduce and replenish the earth if the if the image of God and if the the covenant of God the the partnership, the Torah his instructions were not meant to be lived together. Adam and Chava could he just could have created Adam and Chava and gone like, all right, you guys uh, you guys take over the whole world run run the whole world and establish my kingdom here on it. Good luck. And, and he, they could have lived forever, and it could have been great, and they could have been the only, and that could have been it. That would have been human history. Two folks that just honored God, loved God, were holy unto God, and the whole thing worked. And that's just not the way it happened. Now, if, if according to my view, my particular opinion of Genesis 1, there were already people, populations of humanity on the earth. And so what Hashem is asking Adam to do 
is to replenish, multiply, not only biologically, but also go out and multiply the, the, the thing that I've given you, the message I've given you, the identity I've given you into the world. Not just for those individuals' sake, but for the sake of togetherness and for the sake of community. If we look again in Bereshit at, uh, at Bereshit 26, 5, I love this, I love this verse. Uh, Bereshit 26, 5 is talking about Avraham, right? Looking back and it says, um, because that Avraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So many of you know this verse. We use it to prove, you know, that even pre-Sinai, that the Torah was a thing and that, that God was dealing with, um, you know, his people, his children in a, in a way that, that, you know, that is Torah-based, uh, that is the commandments. And so we, we know this passage. And you might, you might would be able to say, well, yeah, like Abraham didn't. He was, you know, Abraham was called out, you know, alone to leave actually his family and to go out alone. And to that, I want to read this verse. This is Genesis 12, 5, chapter 12, verse 5. Now he, talking about Abraham, took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So even Abraham, when Hashem tells him to, and there's some great Midrash about this. If you're into Midrash, it, some just phenomenal, mind-blowing stuff. Anyway, even after Hashem calls Avraham, Avraham goes and and the Jewish translations of this, the more more Jewish translations are awesome because they instead of saying all the people they had uh, acquired in Haran, it says the souls they created in Haran, which could speak of biological offspring, but more is the the community that they developed. The people that they they won over to allegiance to Avinu Malkinu, the the people that they they discipled and the and the 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 company, the organization, not the organization, the community, excuse me, that he built around him. So yes, Avraham kept Hashem's laws and statutes and you know fulfilled his his plan, but he did not do it in isolation. He did not stay in isolation. Did Abraham go through a period of isolation like we do when he, you know, came out of paganism and, and you know, idolatry and, and uh, you know, and became a monotheist? Maybe so. But the point is that he, he developed a community, not to mention the, the uh, redundant prophecy and encouragement to Abraham, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov about their seed, right? The, the people that would come after them. And then finally, we get kind of to the 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 crux of the of the whole thing, and that is the Exodus. That this week we're in Parshat uh, Yitro, I believe, and the whole crux of the Exodus is that God called out a community, a people, a nation. He could have just it could have been Moshe, it could have been Moshe and his wife and their kids. And he could have said, come out, I want to start with you, and I want to, you know, I want you to be the new Adam, so to speak. So I'm going to reveal myself to you, and, you know, you guys as a family do what I say, 
and uh, and don't you know don't don't fellowship with anybody else. Don't don't grow this thing. You know, don't grow this community. It's just me and you. And that could have it could have been how how it how it worked. Moshe was isolated for a season. He went back and he brought out a community, a nation. And I love reading about when the the Torah was given. So this is uh, Shemot, Exodus chapter 19. And this is the people standing before Sinai, right, waiting to receive the the Torah. Um, And, excuse me, it talks about Moshe consecrating the people, all the people together. Uh, verse 16 talks about the third day and the, the, the thunder and lightning and the cloud and the mountain, you know, all, all the trumpet blast and, and all these things. And verse 17 says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And they begin to, you know, experience this unbelievable, like sensory overload thing with the sights and sounds and smells and, uh, you know, all the things of, of, of Hashem's presence on the mountain. And we know that story, and if you don't know that story, go and read it in, in Exodus chapter 19. Read it over and over. Uh, it's, it's a pivotal moment, in, really in human history, and certainly in the, in the history of, of Israel. And so the, the, the thing is that Moshe actually comes down with the commandments. He comes down with the Torah, but they are, it is for the entire nation. And we we can't. I don't know what we think. I don't know how we think we're we're keeping the Torah if we're keeping it in isolation. I don't I don't understand how that works, and I don't know what how that works in our brains. I don't know how we can justify puffing ourselves up and being quote unquote Torah keepers and walking the Torah if we're if we're if we refuse to come together with other people if we refuse to be in community now if you if your gut reaction is to say well if i have to be if i'm in community that means i have to be subject to someone ah then see your issue is not with with your issue is not with with being in community your issue is again that you're that you're hurt now, in some communities, some, you know, Torah communities, Hebrew roots communities, whatever, Messianic, there are varying degrees of subjugation. <laughs> That's a, I hate that word. But there are, you know, some fellowships you get into, yeah, I mean, the pastor, the rabbi, the whatever, um, they may have guidelines on, you know, what it means to be a part of that community. And, and sometimes, you know, I would I would agree with those things, and sometimes I think, you know, we push things a little too far, but that's for each community to decide. And if that doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you. But if your if your gut reaction is, well, you know, I'm not going to be in a community because I don't want to have to be subject to anyone, then there, then I would just ask you, genuinely and sincerely, please consider where you may still be hurt. I don't want to accuse you. And probably what I said earlier in my little rant was was too harsh, but. I don't want to. I want you to please consider that. Just not because I'm trying to force you into community. I'm, I, I want you to be well. I want you to be whole and, and healthy and okay. And that's not okay. The Torah given at Sinai was for everyone in the community to do together. If we again, if we 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 read Yeshua's words, there is a consecration to Hashem. There is a there is a personal. 
dedicated life that each of us need to live. And and that that lifestyle, that kedusha, that holiness, whatever that looks like for us, we have to dig out personally. We have to study, we have to pray, we have to fast, we have to seek God, we have to to be transformed by him and we have to live whatever he has called us to live to him. We have to make sure that we are fully devoted to him, his truth, his kingdom, his Torah, etc., etc. No questions asked, bar none, period, full stop. But there is a second part to this, and that's how we deal with other people. And listen, I'm... I don't mean to be calling you out, you know, like I'm perfect. I'm not. And I don't mean to be, you know, make it sound like my way is the only way because it's not. But I I have lived this, guys. I have lived this and it almost killed me. I was miserable living this way. And and maybe this lands for some of you, you know, where you're 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 walking around your town or you're driving around your town and you see somebody that maybe you used to go to church with. And you think, <laughs> they think they're all holy. They're not even keeping the commandments. She thinks she's so holy. She thinks she's such big stuff and God loves her so much and she goes to church on Sundays. <laughs> you see somebody in a restaurant and you say, they think God loves them while they're chewing on that bacon sandwich. M- maybe that was just me. Maybe I was so hurt that maybe I had to work through that season. But maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's you too. And what, what, I, what I don't want is I, that is a cancer that will eat you from the inside. That judgment, that bitterness, and that will eat you from the inside. And it will stunt your growth in the very thing that you are so passionate about. It will keep you from growing in the very thing you're most passionate about, the Torah. So let's, let's, let's talk about if you can't find fellowship, you can't find community. Well, we have this thing called the Internet that Al Gore invented in the 90s. <laughs> right? No, honestly, there is nothing like personal, one-on-one, human-to-human contact. That's, how, that's just how God created us. It's just the way that it works. I'm sorry, you know, you, you, can't, you can't get away from that fact. You can't isolate yourself. That's not healthy for humans. And again, if your issue is being subject to someone, then, then you need to be healed of that. And if you, if you find a community and the pastor, the rabbi, or whatever he calls himself is a tyrant, um, a narcissist, then you need to tell him to kick bricks. That's not what I'm talking about. But some of you generally just can't find fellowship. There's nobody around. Well, you know, there are a lot of wonderful ministries that live stream their, their Shabbat, uh, you know, their Shabbat meetings. Um, many times they have, you know, a chat thing where you can jump on and say, hey, you know, I'm, my name is so-and-so. I live in, you know, whatever state. And, and, and form some sense of connection with someone else that can help to reinforce where you are and encourage you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I have a rule personally. And this probably this not probably it does stems from my pain, my hurt as a, you know, 
when I first began this walk, I personally don't listen to any teacher that I can't communicate with. Um, that's just me. If I'm going to learn from you, I want a relationship with you. It doesn't mean like we're going to be, you know, BFFs and talk, you know, for six hours every day. That's not what I'm talking about. But the the fact that when, that if I can email you and get a response, if I can Facebook message you, if I can text you or whatever. Also, let's talk about if there is no community around you, no Torah community, and um, maybe the the option, maybe just maybe be that you actually have to be involved in just your community, your your city, your town, your wherever you are. I know that going to church as a Torah keeper is hard. Like I said earlier, that chasm grows so wide that it almost can't be crossed. But for many of you, that may be that may be the best option for you. That may be actually what God wants for you. Just because you need you need to be connected, and let but let's say that's not for you. You can't stomach it. I personally, I don't know if I could if I was in that situation. So then, live your live your Torah lifestyle, but don't separate from the community in all aspects. Don't become this this pariah in the community. Don't become this, you know, don't become the old cat lady. And if there's any cat ladies out, I'm sorry. I love cats. We have like 15 around our farm because I don't do snakes. So I didn't mean that as a dig. But don't become the, don't become that person. Be involved in civic organizations. Be involved in, you know, with the soup kitchen or be involved with the food bank or be involved wherever you can be to be connected because Torah, whether or not other people are following it, it's best fulfilled in community. And you can do that without being part of a religious community. So I hope you get a chance to chew on this a little bit. I love you all. Until next week, shalom, shalom. Shalom. 